It is Wednesday, January 18th, and this is People Every Day. Hey everyone, I'm Charlotte Triggs filling in for Janine. We've got a great show planned for you. Pamela Anderson is opening up in a new memoir, which spans everything from childhood abuse to her tumultuous marriage to Tommy Lee. And Ginger Duggar Volo is sharing some very juicy details about what her life was like growing up in what she calls a quote, cult-like environment. So many things to get to today, but first let's check in on what else is happening out there in the world. Todd and Julie Chrisley have begun their prison sentences. People can confirm that the Chrisley Knows Best stars have reported to prison with Todd set to serve 12 years and Julie set to serve seven. As we've covered on the show in the past, the reality stars were sentenced this past November after being convicted for bank fraud and tax evasion. But their family has been standing behind them. On Todd and Julie's first day behind bars, their 26-year-old son Chase shared an Instagram post quoting the Bible verse Matthew 1.23, which reads, God is with us. We will continue to keep you updated on any new developments. Moving on, it's been a few days since football fans saw Tom Brady trot off the field following a blowout loss to the Dallas Cowboys on Monday. Brady is a free agent and likely will not return to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which has everyone wondering what is his next move? Will he sign with a new team or will he finally retire at age 45? Well, one person who doesn't have to worry about that anymore is his ex-wife, Giselle Bündchen. I feel like Janine and I talked about this a hundred times, but for those of you who don't remember, back in the late summer, we learned that Giselle was not excited about her then-husband coming out of retirement to play football again. Tom missed 11 days of training camp to sort things out, but the two ended up getting a divorce and finalized it in October. And while time may be walking off the football field for good, Giselle is running. The supermodel was recently spotted out for a jog in Costa Rica and was being followed closely by her jiu-jitsu instructor, Joaquin Valente. She's a single woman, he's a good-looking man, so of course, relationship rumors are swirling. Valente runs a training studio with his brothers in Florida, and this was his not first, but second trip to a foreign country with his client. A source did previously shoot down the relationship speculation, telling people that, quote, he and his two brothers are Giselle and the kids' martial arts teachers, and that Valente and Bunchen, quote, are not dating. Well, we'll take them at their word, but you must admit, it is a little bit interesting to be bringing the family jujitsu instructor with you to Costa Rica. We'll definitely be keeping tabs on this one. It may be mid-January, but preparations are already underway for the first Monday in May. Earlier today, it was announced that this year's Met Gala coaches will be singer Dua Lipa, I May Destroy You creator Michaela Cole, tennis pro Roger Federer, and Academy Award winner Penelope Cruz. The co-chairs will be working alongside Anna Winter to plan this year's theme, which will honor the late Carl Lagerfeld. The Costume Institute benefit will showcase 150 of Lagerfeld's designs from fashion houses like Chanel, Balmain, Patou, Fendi, Chloe, in addition to his own personal line and sketches. I hope there's something in there about his cat, Choupette, too. This year's theme isn't without controversy, though. Lagerfeld was always a polarizing figure in fashion, so we'll be watching carefully to see what happens with this year's Met Gala. And now, let's get into what we learned from our exclusive interview with Pamela Anderson. Pamela Anderson dominated the headlines last year when Hulu put out their scripted series, Pam and Tommy, depicting Anderson and former husband Tommy Lee as they coped with the sex tape scandal that rocked their lives. But instead of commenting or fact-checking the series, Anderson decided to set the record straight on her own terms with a memoir, Love Pamela, and a new documentary, Pamela, A Love Story. 
In her new book, Anderson gives a firsthand account of childhood abuse, recalls her passionate marriage to Tommy Lee during the height of her Baywatch fame, and shares that to this day, she has still not watched that sex tape. She sat down with our East Coast news editor, Liz McNeil, for this week's cover story. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you, Charlotte. So Pamela Anderson is probably one of the most recognizable names when you're speaking of pop culture icons. But for anyone who might not be familiar, give us a quick rundown. What until now has the public known of Pamela Anderson? She had sort of a phenomenal sort of entry into Hollywood. She poses on Playboy. She becomes the tool time girl and then is like becomes a worldwide phenomenon with Baywatch. What's, I guess, so interesting about this book is that you finally hear from her. Like maybe she's somebody that you kind of thought, yes, she was ubiquitous. She was an it girl. The only way I know how to describe her is like she was a 90s phenomenon. Towards the end of the interview, she said, I don't know what I'm capable of, but I'm capable of much more than a fuzzy pink hat and a red swimsuit. I love that. All right. So she told you that it was therapeutic for her writing this memoir, and she really does go there. One of the most disturbing parts I found was how she describes some childhood trauma. Can you talk to us about what she shared with us? So she goes back to her grandparents' home where she now lives on Vancouver Island, very close to where she grew up. And she really goes back to her childhood, right? She goes completely, retraces her steps, retraces her life. She's this bohemian sort of spirit, right? Hanging out at the beach, seashells, snakes, and sort of this nature lover. But there's a lot of pain early on in her life. And what happens is she's molested by a babysitter, a female babysitter at a very young age. And she, of course, is told by the babysitter not to tell anybody or else, and she doesn't say anything. And what she told me in the interview was that she was also doing it to protect her brother. She had a younger brother. She didn't want what was happening to her to happen to her younger brother. And then as she gets older, she says around 12 or 13, she was raped by an older man and again, doesn't say anything. And she has really evocative passages about how she sort of finds solace in nature, in her imagination, in books, also trying to figure people out. Like she's a really deep soul, but these things, of course, mark her incredibly. And she sort of does what she has to do to survive. She talked about how her sons, Brandon and Dylan, really encouraged her to write the memoir and to do the documentary. And we have a little audio from that. The documentary I haven't seen, this is a a Brandon Lee, Brandon Thomas Lee film. You know, he's the one who put it all together and I have no idea what archives they went through. I just opened the floodgates. I said, the only thing I want is I don't want any part of it. I want you to go through my journals, go through everything. You have 100% access from the beginning of my, my life until now. So Liz, what else did she say about her son's influence here? I mean, did they like interview her? Did they just read her diaries? It sounds like a little bit of an unusual process. So there's her memoir that her two sons encourage her to write. And they tease her a little bit. They're like, mom, you know, you're going to need a co-writer because as we all know, Pamela, from her social media days of yore, there's a lot of free form poetry. There's a lot of free thinking going on, not always sentences with punctuation. And she's like, I'm not, there's no co-writer. There's no ghostwriter. I'm doing it myself. I got to say, it's really powerful. It's really well done. So there's that. And then there's the documentary. I think she sort of gave over her journals. She kept everything. She is not sort of in charge of the storytelling there. It's really interesting because she had a lot of, of course, trust or had to entrust them with her story. So let's talk about Tommy Lee for a bit. Some of this relationship was so toxic. I mean, he even went to jail for a period of time because of this. And of course, it all played out on a media scale 
like no other at the time. And that sex tape really took center stage. So can you kind of like walk us through the whirlwind? Like they got together so quickly and then what what all happened? So they have a four-day whirlwind romance in Cancun. He follows her there after they've met on New Year's Eve. They marry uh, famously on the beach. She wears a bikini. He wears board shorts. And they sort of return to the sea, you know, of paparazzi. And she didn't know his, their last name, right? Didn't she ask him on the plane? Right. That might be one of the best lines of the book. <laughs> She's like, what's our name? But, you know, when you're in love, sometimes you can't think straight. So anyway, they try to sort of set up their home and... And there are a lot of tender passages about their love life, too. Like, sometimes we wouldn't leave the bedroom. He sang songs about me, sang even songs about my toes. You know, there was a lot of tenderness there. I think there's a line where she says, right, we just, we were so in love and just wanted to have a family or or make babies. And then 1995, the safe gets stolen from their garage and they had made their own personal tapes. And then I think they find out about it because Tommy Lee sees something on the news where somebody's impersonating Pamela down at like Tower Records or something. So basically their own intimate moments had been fashioned into something, right? So of course this then, you know, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it, right? Sort of catapults them into this really strange kind of fame. When you talk to her about it now or you read her book, you're like, none of it was done with her permission. And at a certain point, right, she takes the distributor to court And more or less the argument for the opposing side is that, do you have a right to privacy if you post for Playboy with her photos? At a certain point, they drop it because she's pregnant with her second son, Dylan, and right realizing that I have to focus right on having a healthy baby and this is too crazy, too stressful. You can't go through that in the courtroom. So Liz, what happened with the violence? It's like there was like a domestic violence incident and how did it get to that point? Up until then, there had been some, you know, run-ins with the paparazzi. So they're followed in a way that like, I'm sure if you saw it now, you wouldn't even think something like that was possible, right? So uh, Tommy definitely has some run-ins with the paparazzi. And then what happens is there's a certain night where they're feeling overwhelmed, got two young kids. Pamela's holding her youngest, Dylan. Brandon's right there by her side. Tommy Lee is saying, I want my wife back. She offers to phone her parents because they don't have nannies. It's only her parents are helping her. And he rips the phone from her and pushes her against the wall. And she ends up calling 911 and he gets arrested. And I think as she wrote in the book, our hell began. Soon after that, they divorce and he goes to jail for six months for spousal abuse. I think there's some contact there, but she really has to focus on raising her sons. What's crazy is, is that she does describe that they somehow now have a pretty decent rapport with one another, right? Yes. And there's more in the book about trying to sort of understand what happened at that time and and what led to that moment. As we all know, right, relationships are complicated, but she really focuses on the kids. She has this great line in the book where she sort of calls them miracles or something, considering their gene pool. And yeah, she says, Tommy Lee's married now. They check in with each other. She's happy for him. So Liz, now I just know that every couple of years, there's a Pamela Anderson wedding, right? Like she's definitely gotten married like several more times since then. Did she get into that at all? Pamela's been married five times to four different men because she married Rick Solomon twice. She's definitely the the girl who's in love who's in love with love. You know, and she makes jokes about it. She talks about keep trying to get it right and all that. But she does say in the book, she wonders if Tommy Lee might have been the only time that I was really truly in love. But now she talks about the love of self, and she's open to everything, uh, open to whatever uh, her life brings. She talked about living a romantic life now, sort of with herself, with her 
books and her music and her candles and her five dogs. But, you know, Pamela's in love with love. All right. Well, we'll pencil in another year from now. Maybe there'll be another occasion to celebrate. Liz, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks, guys. Ginger Duggarvuolo is opening up about the, quote, harmful Christian teaching she was raised to strictly follow until finding freedom in 2017. Coming up, we'll get into what the former 19 Kids and Counting star had to say about growing up as a Duggar and how her outlook on life and faith has changed. But first, only Murders in the Building fans are in for a real treat next season. Yesterday, it was revealed that one of the biggest stars in Hollywood will be joining the cast. And no, I'm not just talking about Paul Rudd. After the break, we get into which big name will be added to the star-studded lineup. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuitsandjam. Guys, we're on set. Hey, what are we shooting? Oh, hi there. Season three. Right. The gang is back. Hello. Yay. We're back. And as you just heard, so is the cast of Only Murders in the Building. Production for season three of the popular Hulu show has begun. And yesterday, Selena Gomez shared a video with her co-stars, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Andrea Martin. Wow, there's a lot of Martins on the show. Gomez then asks, could this honestly get any better? And revealed our own 2021 Sexiest Man Alive, Paul Rudd. Well, I do think it could get a little bit better. In what Why? Way? What do you mean? But that's not all. She then pans over to see the one and only Meryl Streep popping into frame. Yep, the three-time Oscar winner is joining the cast as well. Steve Martin confirmed Streep's addition by tweeting out a photo from the set, followed by another tweet that read, quote, it's an honor to have Meryl in our building. My favorite part is seeing Steve Martin and Martin Short lightly hazing their new co-star near the end of Gomez's video. Steve, <laughs> do you want a pillow? Yeah, oh, please. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Marty, anything you need? Uh, just the tea that I had asked for a half an hour ago. I mean, I can only imagine how much fun they must be having on that set. The series returns this summer to Hulu. The teaching I grew up under was harmful. It was damaging and there are lasting effects. Mm -hmm. But I only want to now in this season to look at this and say, okay, I know other people are struggling with this as well. That was Ginger Duggarvuolo opening up to people exclusively in this week's issue. The former star of TLC's 19 Kids and Counting and Counting On has a memoir coming out entitled Becoming Free Indeed, where she writes about her faith journey and embracing a new life that is completely different from the strict Christian teaching she grew up with. Joining me now to discuss it all is People Senior Writer and the journalist who spoke to Ginger, Emily Strom. Hey, Emily, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So for those who might not know, Ginger is one of 19 kids, hence the 19 Kids and Counting show title. Emily, you've covered the Duggars for a long time. So catch us up. What was Ginger raised believing and what is the controversy surrounding it? 
her mom and dad followed this Christian minister. His name is Bill Gothard. And he started this ministry called the Institute in Basic Life Principles. So the whole family, they were very devout followers of this man. Ginger says that Gothard's teachings in a nutshell are based on fear and superstition and leave you in a place where you're like, I don't know what God expects of me. Uh, The fear kept me crippled with anxiety and I was terrified of the outside world. I'm remembering back to like when we used to write about these guys and when they still had the show and stuff like that, like weird things like that they weren't allowed to touch each other and that the women couldn't like wear anything that a man might find sexy and that the men weren't allowed to look at women. Didn't they have a code word like Nikes and the men would have to look at their shoes if there was like a sexy woman walking by? Like what were some of the like real world examples of how they had to behave? Yeah, there were a lot of rules and they were very, very strict. She could only wear very modest clothing, music with with drums that she listened to, places she went, the wrong friendships, all of these things she was taught could bring harm upon her if she didn't strictly abide by the rules of this guy, Bill. And like, remember their cousin, Amy, we used to call her the rebel dogger, right? Because she didn't abide by this stuff. Didn't they like leave her wedding because there was like dancing and alcohol? Amy was absolutely the the rebel dugger of the family. But like drinking champagne at your wedding and dancing is like not exactly crazy. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Not crazy for us, but they wouldn't be, you know, caught in the same room with people that were doing that. So yes, they did depart Amy's wedding early due to some alcohol being served. Oh my goodness. And she said that she used to be terrified, like basically of what punishment she'd get from God if she did anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. She would think things like, oh, if I go get in the car right now and go play a sport with my family, I could be killed in a car accident on the way because, and she says this, I didn't know if God wanted me to stay home and read my Bible or go play this sport. Yikes. Okay. So in 2017, not terribly long ago, her perspective really began to change. And she said that her brother-in-law played a big role in that. Take a listen. They were a Christian family who did things different than us. And in our world, it's all black and white, so everybody should do everything the same. And I was really challenged by that, and then also challenged by how my brother-in-law viewed the Bible as a whole and how he read it differently than we did. And so that's what really started me on this journey. She also said she had a wake-up call that maybe this guy, Bill Gothard, isn't a Bible teacher. What did she say about that? Yeah, Ginger said that his teachings were just so harmful. And she said, I'm seeing more of the effects of that in the lives of many of my friends and the people who grew up in that community with me. She even went as far to say that there were a lot of cult-like tendencies. I mean, people don't use that phrase lightly. So she says nowadays, she still lives a very much a faith-based life, but she lives in Los Angeles with her husband. She's got two kids. And she says she believes in birth control. What is she kind of hoping to accomplish by like telling this story? She says that it wasn't easy for her to open up and do this, but the teachings that she grew up under were, quote, harmful. They were really damaging and they left her with lasting effects. You know, she talks about having to go uh, seek professional help to try and work through, you know, some of these things and basically living with fear for as long as she can remember. And so that was really her motivation was just to, to share her story and maybe it could help just one person become free like she is. Before I let you go, I mean, she also spoke about her brother, Josh. And for those who don't remember, the news that Josh had molested four of his sisters is what killed their reality show back in 2015. And last year, he was also convicted of child porn charges. So did she address any of that with you? 
Yes. She said that, you know, it's really hard for her to talk about, but that she hasn't spoken to her brother in in two years. She has no plans to. And while she has no relationship with him, she is very supportive of his wife, Anna, and their seven children. She told me that she will always be here for them if they ever want to talk to her and that they've just been through so much. And what's her relationship like with her parents? Ginger still has a good relationship with her parents. Her decision to step away from this church hasn't affected that. She essentially says that they agree to disagree on a lot of things. And this this has not driven a huge wedge between her and her parents. Oh, that's interesting. All right. You can read more of Emily's interview with Ginger Duggarvuelo on People.com and in the latest issue of People Magazine on Stan's Friday. Emily, this is such a good interview. Thank you so much for stopping by. Of course. Thank you. This last story is a little bit funny. You know, air travel has been getting more and more unwieldy in recent years. We're constantly seeing videos of people misbehaving on flights. Though, of course, I still remember the post 9-11 era where you listened to the flight attendants. But there's a video going around of a very funny Southwest flight attendant making an announcement to plead with passengers to just put their freaking carry-on items under the seat in front of them already, and he does not want to hear it that your purse is too fancy to go on the floor. Guys, we've done an extensive study here at Southwest, and we found out that Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Kate Spade, Michael Kors, Dolce Gabbana, Prada bags, Coach bags, Chanel bags, and Dunian Burks, they can fit underneath the seats in front of you. And if they were real, you wouldn't be flying Southwest to begin with, so. I hope you got a nice chuckle out of that. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for letting me hang out with you. Janine will be back tomorrow to talk about everything that's happening out there right here on People Every Day. 